what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your Friday Best Bets episode in the NBA playoffs. Three games on slate for the Friday NBA playoffs round. We've got game three of Cavs versus Knicks. The Knicks are two-point favorites at home in the Garden. The Minnesota Timberwolves are two-and-a-half-point dogs to the Denver Nuggets at home in Minnesota. And the Atlanta Hawks are five-point dogs to the Boston Celtics at home there in Atlanta. Totals, we got the Knicks-Cavs at 211-and-a-half. Woo, low. Uh, Minnesota-Denver is at 223, probably a little low. And Celtics-Hawks is at 228-and-a-half. Joining me to break down the best bets, we got Jay Money. His name is Jay Money. He's at... Jay Money is money on Twitter, the regular temperature that he always rotates at. And we've got Brandon Anderson, the NBA futures analyst. Uh, I would I would say that Jay is hot and Brandon is cold because he's always pretty, pretty cold and brutal towards uh, <laughs> especially his teams. But we'll get into but the picks are always smooth. Uh, we'll get into best bets, all that and more. It can be found in the award winning Action Network app. You get this podcast along with all of our great podcasts. Line change for hockey. You got baseball. You got college football offseason, NFL draft. I know you guys care about that. Action Network app. Our Action Network podcast is in there as well. Our daily show, Green Dot Daily. So much cool stuff. Check it out, the Action Network app. All right, let's go around the table. We'll give our best bets for the Friday slate. Jay, what do you like? Give me Knicks in the first quarter, uh, minus the half, with the heavy lean towards the Atlanta Hawks as well in the first quarter. And Brennan Anderson, what are your best bets for Friday? I'm with Jay on Nick's first quarter, so we'll go in that one together. And I'm going to play a couple props on the Celtics-Hawks series that we've done on this podcast already. Give me Jalen Brown over two and a half turnovers. And I'm going to sneak back into the Onyeko Kongwu well. Give me over five and a half rebounds. Okay, I'm going to take the Cleveland Cavaliers plus 110 on the money line for the full game. I think they're winning this game. Uh, I'm taking the Minnesota Timberwolves as well at home plus 110 to win the game outright versus the Denver Nuggets. I'm leaning towards Celtics minus five. I might get there. I might not. We'll see. Uh, that one, you'll have to wait for the Action Network app. Before we get to the breakdowns of this, I need to mention a, a, uh, a trend that our guy Evan Abrams found that I forgot about. And Matt Mitchell uh, put in our Slack very politely as, uh, why isn't every fucking NBA betting expert screaming this at me? And he's not wrong. Uh, via Evan Abrams, in this year's NBA playoffs, the winner of the game is 13-0 and 0 against the spread. Over the last three years, the straight-up winner of the playoff game is 171-13 and 13 against the spread. 171-13 and 13 after last night. It's now 16-0, and 0, 44 straight covers. Pick the winner, play the spread. If you like the favorite, just lay the points. If you like the dog... You could take an alternate line, I guess, is the way to, to play that out. Uh, so keep that in mind as we go through this. All right, uh, Jay, you can make the, the case for Nick's first quarter. Then we'll go to Brandon, uh, and then we'll hit why I like the Cavs. Go ahead. 
Yeah, it's pretty simple for me here. I mean, the Knicks basically almost covered uh, both first quarters in this in this game. The uh, if it wasn't for Karis LeVert three in the last one, they would have covered that one. That was even on the road. They head back to the house now. I'm big. I'm big on the energy. Um, the home crowd is gonna get, gonna be behind the Knicks in this one. They may not win the game. I do think the better team usually wins the game. But first quarter, I actually think the Knicks come out here cover the first quarter and the first half uh, before they really start tiring Brunson out, putting him in the pick and roll every single time. I do think the Cavs figured something out, but. I'll go with the Knicks in the first quarter. I've heard Jared Allen say that the Cavs usually uh, take a little bit of time as well um, to get things going in the first quarter. If you look at the Knicks, they're the fourth, they're the fourth best uh, first quarter scoring team at the house. Whereas you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're 19th in the league in scoring in the first quarter on the road as well. So I will take Knicks to get things started off here in the first quarter minus a half. Feels like a lot of this is just like um, the Knicks starters won't get blown out and the Knicks bench is so good and has such a big advantage that they're able to push through the end of that first quarter once they get into the deeper rotations. That, to me, feels like part of how this winds up playing out. Brandon, why do you like Knicks' first quarter? Yeah, a lot of the same reasons. The Cavs are 20-21 and on the road this season. That was one of the flaws that I saw in this team coming into the playoffs. We saw in Game 1, all these young guys, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, really kind of saw the lights a little bit, took a bit to settle in. This is the first road playoff game, and at the MSG is going to be rocking. I know it's not always the greatest home court advantage, but in this scenario, first road playoff atmosphere, I think that does really matter here. Knicks, home first quarter net rating, plus 16.3 for the season, the second best in the NBA. Cavs road first quarter net rating is 14th best, so a pretty average team there. And yeah, I just think, I think the crowd is going to be huge in this game. I think New York fans are excited to get this home playoff game, take the next first quarter. Uh, I'll take Cavs uh, on the money line here. So I was shook, shook after game one. I was like, everything I thought was wrong. I'm a terrible analyst. Everything is awful. <laughs> I hate betting. Everything is terrible. Um, then I watched game two and all of the stuff that I thought happened in that game. And I was like, I'm a genius again. But the reality of this, the reason I I do tend to be pretty critical of my process, the reason I feel more confident, I look back at game one and I go, that was Darius Garland's first NBA playoff game. That was Evan Mobley's first NBA playoff game. Like, and you could tell watching the tape that like Evan Mobley was hesitant. Like Evan Mobley was like watching rebounds fall in front of him. And like, that's how the Knicks win the series is with their awesome bench and with all the effort at the, the hustle and effort plays of Tibbs and we're going to get all the offensive rebounds. And then Evan Mobley was like, wait, I'm taller and longer than you. And Jared Allen was like, I'm bigger than you. What are we doing here? Mitch Robinson is unplayable in this series. They have to go small. And if you're telling me that, like, the Knicks are going to try and win with Isaiah Hartenstein, who I like a lot as a player, but, like, that is not, oh, yeah, that decided a series. No, 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 let's chill out a little bit the starters are too rough we see Julius Randle who's not good in the playoffs he was terrible in the other game the other thing is the Knicks play a similar scheme as the Cavs they just play it worse they both want to play at the level to try and contain guards game one the Cavs just looked like what is this strange coverage how could you possibly put two on the ball and then in like game two they're like oh wait we've been playing against this like our entire lives like this is very easy and they just started slicing and dicing and they got into the rotations now look do I feel good about Karis LeVert on the road as a key guy to make threes? No, I do not. Do I feel great about the fact that uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, for some fucking reason, loves Chetty Osman? I'm telling you, play a Coro. He shot 43% after the All-Star break. 
43% from three. He's a great defender. He's a plus in both games. And yet Bickerstaff's like, no, we can't have him out there. It messes with stuff too much. Let the guy shoot. He hits two, and the Knicks are going to be like, shit, we have to cover that too. The the Cavs are so much more talented, and that's apparent with Garland. Like, once Garland got his legs under him, he torched him. Brunson is getting beat up. Like, this is a physical, tough series. I do not like Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson in a matchup that is this physical. Um, I think that the, that the Cavs get the win here and put the Knicks on their heels. You mentioned like the the stuff. The Knicks have not been a good home court team this season. The Knicks were were in the same spot back in 2021 versus the Hawks. Oh, the Knicks are back at the playoffs. The Garden's gonna be re- yeah. Trey Young, Trey Young, who we see versus Boston, not a dynamite playoff player, went in there and absolutely owned them. If he did that, what's Donovan Mitchell gonna do? So to me, I'll take Cavs for a full game. I don't mind the, the first quarter plays. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks got out to a good start. But over the course of the game, I'm going to believe in the Cavs. I will come back on them in game four if they're like at this point, I am not at like, well, I'm just going to cut my losses. I am back into like, I will bet them in game four if I'm wrong on game three, because I do believe that this matchup leans heavily in their favor still. Uh, Jay's nodding his head. So Knicks first quarter, Cavs full game, that that combo look like how it's going to play out, even if we don't parlay it? Yeah, usually in game three, you want to take the team that you think is going to win the series. I, I fully believe the Cavs will win this series as well. Uh, I know a lot of people are kind of overacting in game one, but I think Cavs uh, definitely win this game. I mean, I like what you're doing there. You go with your gut. Uh, if they do happen to lose this game, you just take them the next game as well in game four. But I do think the Cavs have figured, th- figured things out. Put Jalen Brunson in the pick and roll every single time and you'll have success. But um, I'll still ride with the Knicks to get things going here. Uh, I just need them to have a one-point lead at the end of the first quarter. Brandon, let's go to your uh, your props real quick. So you're going back to the Okongwu well, which um, <laughs> w- w- hurt so badly in game one. And I applaud you for being like, let's settle down and go with this. Uh, give me the Okongwu cap for over five and a half rebounds. Yeah, let's probably not go three units on this one again. Like I was so aggressive on game one. Okongwu owes me some money at this point. I took off game two. I reevaluated. I'm starting to tiptoe back in. So we talked before the series, Matt, about this is not a Clint Capella series. And I think that we started to see that a little bit. Capella was down to only 22 minutes in game two. He had four points, seven rebounds. Okongwu, 24 minutes. That's not a huge boost, but he usually plays around 20, starting to creep up a little bit. And yet again, Okongwu had five offensive rebounds. He has five offensive rebounds in all but one game against the Celtics now this season. He had four in the other one. So he has four and then four games of five offensive rebounds. That is the thing the Hawks need to do because they can't score to save their lives. So they need to crash the glass, get the rebounds, get him out there. You'll notice that I'm just playing the rebounds here. I tried to do the safe version of this in game one. I thought, I thought it was safe. We hit the rebounds part and the guy just is not scoring because Atlanta's not scoring. So no more Atlanta scoring props for me in this series, just the rebounds. Okongwa's had five rebounds in 18 straight games dating back to the regular season. We need six, but that is a heck of a floor for us. Again, he's at five offensive rebounds in all but one of the Celtics games. So I'm probably just going to play this. Eight rebounds is plus 210. I will look at that. He now against Boston in five games this year has nine, eight, nine, five, and nine. So he's hit that in all but the one that I played him in so far. But I think it's the wrong number there. Okongwu, they just need a little bit more of his energy out there, especially at home. It's another spot where I think he'll play a little better, where he's more comfortable. 
Okay, and you've also got uh, Jalen Brown over two and a half turnovers. Why do you like that one? Yeah, we played that one in game two. He had six turnovers in game one, so that was the spot. We came out in game two. We hit this in eight minutes and six seconds in wow. the first quarter. Okay. okay. Jalen Brown got that base hand. He can't dribble the ball right now. He can't dribble the ball in general. He finished with four turnovers. In the season, he had two or more turnovers, 54 out of 67 games. That puts us again at the floor right there. We only need one more for to hit the, the over. Last year in the playoffs, he had two or more turnovers, 21 out of 24 games. It's just a spot where he's going to pretty much always be in this two to three range. And with that hand injury on top of it, that kind of pushes toward the over even more. He's going to play big minutes. He's going to have the ball a lot. I just feel like we'll get plenty of chances for that third turnover. I'm logging in the app now, buddy. I'm with you. So sorry about your bet because I've now jinxed it. But <laughs> that's a great, that's a, uh, that's a, I like, I love the cap on Jalen Brown base hand. I love Jalen Brown base hands. Um, Jay, I lean towards Celtics here. I just like, I do not know how the hot, like, if the Hawks, if Quinn Snyder was authorized to be like, do whatever you have to to win the series, do whatever you have to, I don't care. And if Quinn Snyder was like, hey, Trey, we're, we're going to bring you off the bench and we're going to start DeJounte Murray and we're going to play all these long guys. We're going to add shooting and we're going to play small. I would be like, ooh, I'm a little interested in the Hawks here. Like, I'm a little interested in the Atlanta Hawks. They're not going to do that. Trey Young is absolute mincemeat in the series. Like, he is canned tuna. And the the Celtics are just a bunch of big hungry cats. Like there is nothing for for him to do in the series. He can't beat the switch. He can't beat their drop coverage because their guards are too big and too aggressive. There's nothing here. There's nothing. Like you saw the push that they made in game two was with Dejounte Murray on the floor. Dejounte being the guy. Like if Dejounte was allowed to be the guy, I would feel good about the series. But they are still treating him like he's Robin. And Dejounte is not Robin in the situation. He needs to be Batman. So for me, like because the Hawks will not get away from their, their core identity, which is not good. We have evidence of that. Um, I kind of like the Celtics here to get the win and and put the Hawks really on the edge of a, of a sweep. Yeah. I've been saying it for a while that they play better without Trey young. Obviously we think that he's probably going to get traded. He's probably not going to be on the Hawks next season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've said that he's go, he goes out and the team plays a lot better in this one. So, but uh, this is just as simple with me. I can't, I don't go against uh, teams in desperation spots and we see the new age players as well. They just don't have that same killer, killer instinct in them. So even though the Celtics can sweep this series, it's one where I would not lay the points with them here. Um, I, I just, I don't go against the desperation spot, the backs against the wall. I still think, the Hawks, even if they lose this game, will come out with some in the first quarter and first half. You saw it in game uh, game two as well, where it was basically 25-25 at the end before uh, Malcolm Brogdon makes that uh, that half-court shot there. So if the Hawks can come out with a look, with a much better effort in game two on the road, I definitely think they turn up here at the house, at the club, in Atlanta at now. And um, I, think the, I think the Hawks' first quarter, first half would be the spots I'm looking here. here. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won a game here. I think it's, it's real tough for me to see a sweep in this series. Like I say, the Celtics, they just don't really have that uh if there is a team that has the killer instinct it's probably the celtics but um with jalen brown not being 100 percent, i can only look towards the hawks here i might take hawks first quarter and, and celtics full game that might be what i do because i just i feel like by the end i it to me here's what the game feels like it feels like it's gonna be one of those where hawks win the first quarter and it's like oh hey atlanta and then it's like, oh, no, Celtics are back within four. Mm, no, Celtics have the lead in the third quarter. Oh, no. Oh, so 18 to two run. It's over. And the Hawks are sad. That's how I kind of feel about this one. Brandon, what do you got? 
Yeah, we talked uh, in the series preview. The Hawks have been a very good first quarter team since Quinn Snyder took over. Their net rating took a big jump there. So that's part of why I haven't played sides a lot in this series because we all know I'm just on Boston. But it's hard to play a Boston overpriced money or overpriced spread if you know that you're going to come out and like eight minutes later be like, well, that sucks. I could have got four free points if I just waited a little bit here. So it's, I don't do a lot of live betting because my emotions get too involved then when I can't just like calm down and, and weigh all the evidence here. Uh, I want to talk about a trend though, because uh, Jay basically mentioned this here and this trend is going to apply to the next game we'll talk about and applies to a bunch of the games. So it's not, not an unfamiliar one. Down 0-2, teams returning home first half. That's the trend that you'll you'll see all over the place. You'll see it at Action Network in lots of articles. I'm sure it's an Evan Abrams article. I wrote about it, I think, in one of our game guides as well. Since 2007, so teams coming home, game three, down 0-2. That's Atlanta here. That will be Minnesota in our next game. Those teams are 79, 47, and 9 against the spread in the first half. So 63% cover rate. However, since 2018, 15, 15, and 2. Not bad but not really a winning trend anymore. So my question to you then, uh, either of you, is this the spot? Do you play that trend? Is it a trend still worth playing at all? And is this a spot to play the first half trend? Matt, what do you think? To me, when I look at, I don't necessarily haven't, I haven't looked at the numbers and been like, oh, wow, this should, this should definitely be lower and the books are just juicing it. So I don't know if it's just like random variance baked in. I'd be curious to see what that looks like in the first round. Like that's part of the other thing I would kind of like to look at is when teams are a little bit more even um, Mm -hmm. uh, in the four or five or uneven rather, like there could be a lot a wider variance in those kind of spots. I would say that like, it's just not, you know, some of this goes with the zigzag theory. I, I, I will say I tend to find like favorites are dominating and they have been dominating in the first round the last couple of years. And I just tend to think that, um, some of this also based into the context of the season where, when you have teams that are just definably better and I'm about to go against this, but when you have teams that are definably better, I think it's harder for them. It's harder to, to find an edge on that underdog for getting the edge at home, especially here. And the three point variance is my final kind of thought on that is, you know, okay. You know, the other team came out and played harder. Well, the other team hit a bunch of shots and they have, they hit more threes and that, that equalizes a lot. Right. So that kind of variance I think is, is where I get to Jay. What do you think? Yeah, I think that I'd like to see the stats on the first quarter. This is something that I've made a lot of money with over the past few years, but you do have to pick and choose your spots because in team with uh, with teams like the Sixers versus Nets and the Hawks versus the Celtics, you guys kind of nailed it. It's a little different when it's like the 4-5 matchup or 3-6 matchup uh, as opposed to the 1-8 where one team is just so much better. That's where it kind of gives me some pause, but it's still the only way that I can look, and I still think the Hawks come out here with something in the first quarter. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, well, I like the Wolves uh, for the full game in game three. So I was at game, I was at the first two games in Denver. Um, my my cap on Minnesota here is I think it's, if one, like the Hawks have to look across and just be like, we can't beat this team. 
they're so much better than us. Like we can't do anything. The wolves do not feel like that. The wolves are just like, hey, if we could stop playing like assholes, this might be one one. <laughs> and that really is like what it is, is I, I can just genuinely tell you, it takes a lot for me at this point in my career to have sympathy for a team because I'm like, these guys get paid thir- like tens of million dollars a year. This is how it goes. They'll be fine, et cetera. Like objective, cold analysis. They were not blah, blah, blah. Felt bad for the Wolves because I'm just like, can you stop shooting yourself in the foot? And like, this is who they are for sure. Like, no question. This is their identity. It's a big reason why like they're not going to beat Denver. I feel confident they're not going to beat Denver. Down 0-2, they are not coming back to win the series. But in game three, I have to believe that Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and Edwards played great last night, dropped 40. That like Carl's going to have like a game. Like Kat's going to have like a game where at least some of the shots go in. Because a lot of it's just like he just can't hit water. Rudy's doing stuff like missing but dunks at the rim. Rudy's playing hard. He just can't like there's just not much he can do. Also, the Nuggets have done a really good job contesting inside. Um, it took 40 from Jamal Murray for them to get that win. And they lost. They had that terrible third quarter. And the Nuggets last night, like locker room, were very much in the mode of, look, we played really great in the second quarter and we played really great in the fourth quarter. I do not get a sense that they feel like, let me put it this way. I think part of the killer instinct put them out, like put the, the foot down mentality. I think some of that has to go with how much better you think you are as a team. And I don't necessarily think the Nuggets are like, yeah, no, we're way better than this squad. I think they genuinely are like, no, like they're good. We're better, but th- we're they're good. And like I think that they expect that they'll play better. So I don't necessarily know that they'll be in like, I'm not going to let you beat us. So I kind of think the Wolves play better. I kind of think the Nuggets role players play worse. I kind of think that the Wolves get some more, like Torian Prince started to get it going from three last night. They can't really find a rotation because they're so shorthanded without Nas and Jaden. Like they're just so shorthanded. There's not rotation adjustments, but what they did start to find was the wolves have basically completely scrapped going middle pick and roll. And they're doing everything to the side. And I asked some of the nuggets vets about what that's doing. And they're like, we're getting, they're stretching us out into so much space. And that makes it harder for us to recover to the weak side. That's like a big problem that they're ha- that the nuggets are going to have. I think in this game, um, when you have better communication on your defensive end and worse communication on the opponents, like the crowd will impact the Nuggets' communication. Their rotations won't be as clean. So from all that perspective, uh, I do like the Wolves here to win game three. I'm not super confident in it, but it's enough for me to make it a best bet. Um, Brandon, I will let you tell me how terrible the Wolves are. <laughs> I mean, the Wolves, they're not great right now. Carl Anthony Towns. Dude is 21 points in the playoffs so far on 27 shots. So bad. So bad. He has nine turnovers too. And he's not even like, this is not like it's Jokic and we're running the offense through him. He's a play finisher largely the way they're using him. Well, I I want to see, we talk about benching Trey Trey Young, bring him off the bench. In other news, that's not going to happen. Bring me Rudy Gobert, not in the Carl Anthony Towns lineup. Put Carl Anthony Towns in a lineup at center, you know, the thing he is, so that Nikola Jokic actually has to guard the perimeter so that Nikola Jokic's defensive deficiencies, which there are, actually get taken advantage of rather than just, like, chilling with Rudy Gobert who can't make a dunk near the basket. They're not going to do that, though. But I I do 
I, as a Wolves fan, uh, whatever, I'm not even a Wolves fan. I was just be real. I, I, as a Wolves hater, a Wolves fan, a Wolves homer, what all the things that I am, I try to get optimistic after the run last night, but I don't want to overreact. Minnesota has now won one quarter this series. They've won one. They had one good quarter. Take away the third quarter, and let's be fair, take away the third quarter in the first game. The Nuggets won that one 32-14. to 14. That's what swung that one. Take away the third quarters. Denver wins game one, 77-66, still comfortably. They win game two, 99-73. They're dominating. They just had one bad quarter. So yeah. I came away thinking like, all right, well, maybe Minnesota, they can win a game or two. That's kind of what I thought coming in. A lot of the four factors, a lot of the edge stuff that I look at was like, ah, well, what you said, Matt, basically. The, these teams, are there's not a gulf here. There, we know who's better, but there's not a huge chasm. Outside of the third quarter, there has been so far. So... I don't know that I'm saying the other way. Like I looked and I thought, okay, well, what about Nuggets in five or less? Nuggets minus one and a half on the series spread. Nuggets sweep. No, I don't want to play any of that. The numbers aren't there for it. I think the books are pricing in that those are real possibilities at this point. If I had to just guess the outcome, I think Denver takes one of these two in Minnesota and then wins game five. And that's basically the series to me. I don't hate the pick Minnesota here. Obviously, game three desperation spot. That's a thing that we're talking about with all these games here. For me, it comes back to the trend that we talked about. If I like Minnesota, and there's a lot of reasons to think that they should be better at home. I agree with everything you said, Matt, on why Minnesota should be the play here. I just don't want to play the whole game. I don't trust them to play the whole game. I'll play the first half or I'll play the first quarter. I dug into that. I'm writing the preview for this game, so I was hoping you'd talk me into a pick here. I wanted to go for a first quarter, first half, first half numbers for Minnesota at home. They're only 19th in that rating. Denver is negative 1.9 net rating on the road in the first half, but that's 13th. So that's not really a huge margin there. Second quarter, Denver has actually been minus 6.5 net on the road second quarter. So I was like, okay, there we go. But Minnesota is only 21st in home second quarter. I, I just can't find an edge that makes me be like, Here's my money. Let's see how this feels. Like it's a slight edge. I think Minnesota is a slight edge. I just don't really need a. I don't. I will say this. I don't want. I, I don't want series price. Like plus two and a half for Wolves is what I should be betting because like I thought that this was going to be four two Denver. Right. Denver wins the first two games at home. Plus two and a half is plus one eighty four. It's just like the Wolves do not inspire me enough enough confidence in me for me to be like yeah they can get two. I it, they should. Right. Just like they should have won last year. Like this is exactly like it was last year where I was like, the Wolves are going to win this series. They have all these matchup advantages. And then it was like, no, the Wolves do not have the composure to beat Memphis. And they kept pissing down their own leg and they just continue to do it. Like I, you cannot play Wolves on a series price. If you're going to do it, just play them game by game. So I'm going to play them here uh, in game three. I'll probably come back on Denver in game four and we'll see where we're at with game five with rotations and injuries. Jay, you agree with all that? I'm right there with Brandon. Absolute must-win spot for the Wolves. Not necessarily I trust them to win um, the full game, although this is the spot. If they're going to win one, I mean, game three is the one we know that if you go down 3-0, it's just it's kind of like a checkout spot where you know the series is over. Just kind of pack your bags for a vacation. But um, I'd be still looking at Timberwolves first quarter, first half. I think they found something there um, in the second half there, and it's put Jokic in the pick and roll every single time, no matter if it's Gobert or Cat on the same, uh, on the, uh, out there at the same time or just, or just one of them. Put Jokic in the pick 
and roll every single time, see how he does. Um, and I like that angle as well, Matt, how they're doing using it from the side as well. I think Cunley starts to play a lot better. If you can get to guys, get some guys like Torian Prince and Carnton Towns to make some shots, which they will likely play better at the house, I think the Timberwolves can come out with something, probably bring that same thing they did from the second half into the first quarter, first half here. So I think those are the stronger spots for the Timberwolves. And if there's one team that I don't necessarily trust to have the killer instinct, that's the Denver Nuggets on the road in this one. So this should be a Timberwolves type of game. I don't see a sweep uh, coming in this series. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the other question here is Denver was under 500 on the road. Now, a lot of that was like games. Jokic was resting, but there's only one team in the West you can trust on the road. And if you say like, well, this is the playoffs, you got to throw that out. Yeah, tell that to the Golden State Warriors. All right, this got to wrap it up for Buckets for a Friday. For our Friday episode, this is on a Thursday, but it's for Friday. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have your Saturday best bets. So make sure to ch check in on that. On Sunday, we'll do our weekend recap as well as get you best bets for Monday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Wheaton Brando, W-H-E-A-T-O-N-B-R-A-N-D-O. Follow J Money on Twitter at J Money is Money. I'm at HP Basketball. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.